This is Shutters Inc. with Bruce Williams. Hi, and welcome to episode 492 of Shutters Inc. This is Bruce Williams from ShuttersIncPodcast.com, and joining me once again from Pennsylvania, it is Mr. Joe Edelman from JoeEdelman.com. How are you, Joe? I am good, Bruce. How are you today? Excellent, mate. Excellent. Happy December. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm gonna leave I'm gonna leave the year out of that happy, but you know, happy December. So. Did you see the video that Ryan Reynolds production company created about two days ago? Yes, with the devil and <laughs> yeah. 2020. I, I've seen pieces of it. I have not seen all of it, but it looks brilliant. It's epic. Yeah. Uh, so the storyline, for those who haven't seen it, basically, it's an ad for Match.com, which is a dating site. And you've got the devil uh, who gets a notification on his phone saying that he's got a, a, you know, a, a match on Match.com. And it's this girl uh, who he, he goes and meets and he says, 2020, and she says, call me 2020. <laughs> they hang out together and yeah the world's going to absolute crap and at the end they're sitting side by side on a park bench as there's asteroids flying in and hitting the earth and and the devil's going i don't i don't want this year to end and and don't forget the required dumpster fire in the background (laughs) when they show the shot so yes it's it's Uh, outstanding it's it's great yeah (laughs) it's pretty indicative of this year i think it it is Uh, so how has your last seven days been my friend uh, it's been good. A little busy, a little, uh, I had a lot of presentations this week, which, you know, that's good. That's yeah. business. That's making money right now in, in pandemic time. But I, I will tell you, I did something that I've never done before. So if you're, if the listeners want to check this out, yeah. um, they can feel free to weigh in on this and maybe we'll talk about it next week. But I, I did a presentation for Olympus yesterday. Right. And uh, you can see this presentation. It was a live stream. We did it on the Olympus, the US Olympus Facebook page. So it's get G-E-T, get Olympus mm-hmm. is the username. And um, I decided to kind of go out on a limb and they were kind enough to let me do it. So they asked if I would participate in this 12 days of Christmas promotion that they're doing. And I said, of course, <laughs> sure, count me in. And they said, it'd be cool if you could you know, do something about uh, doing like holiday portraits and creative things for holiday portraits. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Except I can't really shoot because of this pandemic stuff. And my wife is immunocompromised. So I'm not going to bring a model and a makeup artist and that kind of stuff. But the light bulb went off and I said, I'll tell you what, if your game, I'd like to actually take it to the extreme and I'll do my hour but I don't want to show any pictures at wow. all. Wow. Not a single picture. And I'm not going to take any pictures. So I'm going to do a one hour presentation about taking creative holiday portraits and not show pictures. And <laughs> I'll admit they were, you know, raised an eyebrow, but they said, Hey, we trust you. You know your stuff. So I was like, okay. And it was pretty well received. So what I did just to, so I'm not scaring people completely is I decided that it would be really cool to try and get, people's creative thoughts going. So what I did show are lots of props, but like, you know, the obvious Christmas decoration, things like tinsel garland and that, but I had uh, glasses, drinking glasses and glass vases, and I had some material things. And I talked through all these different things that you could do 
to make your holiday portraits more interesting. With the idea being that I didn't want to give people an example so that they could be lazy and just go copy the example. Yeah. I wanted to kind of plant an idea and really base it in emotion and then challenge them. And then Olympus was, was good enough. They agreed that we would run like a little hashtag contest with it. And uh, the deadline is December 20th. And the best shots that we pick, Olympus uh, US and Olympus UK are going to share on their Facebook pages and their Instagram stories. And then separately from Olympus, I'm going to pick one winner, the coolest shot, the most creative idea that I find in the group. And I am going to do a one hour video consultation with them, whatever topic they want. We can talk about their photography, do a portfolio review, post-processing business, whatever. So, so, so far the experiments off to a good start. It was, it was pretty well received. There are a few people that we're not happy that we weren't showing visual examples, but, uh, <laughs> most people actually commented that they thought it was actually a really neat thing because they were sitting there listening and they were actually then able to imagine ideas in their own minds based on where they're going to be for the holidays or based on their house and, and yeah. their decorations. So we'll see. I, I you know, I figure, Hey, Got to take a chance every now and then. Try Mate, something I, different. I've got to uh, say in principle, that sounds like the absolute ideal way to approach that because as you say the minute you put up images people are just going to go oh how can i recreate that exactly and what you want them to do is get away from that is to actually get creative and that's right so i (laughs) i went to great length to really kind of describe my ideas and detail how i would go about doing them yeah but i didn't want to show them ideas and i'll i'll make sure i share the link uh to the the live stream, yeah, 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 totally. So notes, but it it, um, it it was it was kind of fun doing it. I, I won't I, I won't lie. I was a little worried the whole time because as I'm talking at the camera, I can't really watch the comments. So I'm thinking, all right, sure. they either like this or they hate this. <laughs> so when I finished talking, I was almost afraid to look at the comments. But it, it went pretty well. So, oh, that's yeah, great. That's awesome. Different. That's awesome. Now, I received an email a week or two back from uh, a regular listener of ours, David Marland in Victoria. Okay. And, Does that uh, mean I have to be nice to David? No, not at all. Regular? Not at all. Oh, okay. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, guys, I thought this might be a good talking point at some stage. I'm sure Glenn will have some pithy thoughts. Well, Glenn's not here, but Joe's happy to weigh in. We are okay. hearing lots and lots about the demise of the SLR. So why are people still prepared to pay three and a half to four grand for a new Canon 5D Mark IV and similar prices for equivalent cameras, not to mention things like the 1DX Mark III, etc.? If SLRs are the quote-unquote disaster that mirrorless aficionados think they are, wouldn't the prices for the new gear be plummeting even for the camera stores to just get them out of stock? And what about the lenses for them? I don't see their prices dropping. I mean, they still take great photos, don't they? Cheers, David. So. Wow. Okay. It's an well, interesting question. I think the solution or the answer to David's question is actually very simple. Now, I I don't know if I can be as pithy as Glenn, <laughs> but but I will try, okay? Yeah. I would propose, Bruce, here's my guess. So I'm I'm kind of, I'm, I'm trying a little bit of mental telepathy here to try and connect with David, but I have a feeling David is not and never has been a Canon DSLR user. 
I also have a feeling he probably doesn't know personally a lot of Canon DSLR users. I think the reason why Canon owners, especially those that have used DSLRs for a long time, are really, really reluctant to give up on DSLRs is because if they stop using their DSLRs and the lenses that go with them, they're going to have to go and pay for a gym membership to keep that muscular build up because they're not going to be carrying those really heavy cameras and lenses. So they're going to have to find another way to exercise. Uh, that's my first guess. Uh, so I, I, and that's probably not what David was looking for. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'll be honest. I, I'm one of those people that kind of, fairly early on said, oh my God, this is it. Here's the be the beginning of the end for DSLRs. Like, why would you want a DSLR? Right. Um, I, I love electronic viewfinders. The idea that I am truly seeing a finished image as I am pressing the button, not after, yeah. Yeah. is incredible. I've but got a, at the same time, if I if yeah, I can ju- if I can just weigh in on yeah. that, I I was very yeah. much in the same camp. It, it, well, not not in that I said that this was the future, but that I was on the other side of the fence. You know, when mirrorless first started to appear, I thought to myself, "This is never going to take off. No one is going to want really? to be looking at a television screen in their camera instead of." actually looking at rays of light coming through a, a prism and a mirror uh, because right. I thought, you know, it's it's just not the same as actually seeing the scene. But the moment right. I picked up a mirrorless camera and actually started to play with one and experienced what you just described, you know, the ability to see exactly what the image is going to look like before you've pushed the shutter, you know, to see what aperture is doing to the final image and what shutter speed, well, not so much shutter speed, but certainly aperture and ISO, that was when the light bulb went off for me. I was like, oh, I could get used to that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, and in, you know, in your defense, the early mirrorless cameras, you still had a little bit of a lag when you yeah. press the shutter release. The uh, quality of the EVFs, was really not that high. Yeah. So, so there were kind of initially there were a lot of reasons to to not feel really comfortable with them because it was very very different than what we were used to. But uh, most of that has gone away. I mean, yeah. you know, the the cameras don't have the lag now. The image quality in the EVFs, even people complain about the Olympus cameras. I, I have no problem with the image quality in my EVFs. Are there higher resolution EVFs in the market? Sure, there are. But, um, you know, I, I have absolutely no problem with mine. I think the image quality is, is every bit as good as what I was used to with my DSLR. Um, so, you know, would it be nice maybe if they went to a higher resolution? Well, maybe it would, but also given the size of Olympus cameras, they would have to make some other concessions. So I'm okay with, you know, that trade-off. Do you know, I, I, I would prefer, and I feel much the same about, you know, video production in general, Rather than higher resolution, I'd prefer a a higher refresh rate on the EVF. Right. You, you well, know, that's I, actually I, the big reason why Olympus won't go to a higher resolution is because they've got a better refresh rate. That's exactly right. why. Yeah, nice. Yeah, they've they've chosen the refresh rate over the resolution, and and I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah. You know, I think at the end of the day, Bruce, I think a, a, for a lot of people, 
change is, is challenging. Not everybody likes change. <laughs> sure. And, um, you know, I'll admit I'm, I'm one of those people, especially for my age, I enjoy change. I enjoy the new technology. If it's going to make my life easier, if it's going to allow me to improve the things that I'm doing or simplify things, I love change and I love new technology, but I've, I've learned, unfortunately, as I've gotten older that not everybody does. And yeah. so I think I, I frequently, so no offense to David, but I, I frequently kind of have the the response when I hear questions like this, or I see debates like this of what does it really matter? Yeah. I mean, if people are willing to spend that money, you know, let's face it at the end of the day, Canon is not making DSLRs now because they are, you know, just feeling reluctant to give them up. They're making SLRs because they're selling SLRs. If yeah. There's still selling, a small niche market for make it. Them. Right. So, uh, you know, the way I look at it, hey, if somebody wants to use an SLR and and they prefer that, then good for them. It, it's it's a it's a tool. It's all a matter of, yeah. you know, how do you choose to to get the job done? Um, believe me, if I could make one change, one change in the entire photography industry, if I could just snap my fingers and, and have that aspect of the industry change. It would be all the debating and whining and griping, and, arguing and fanboyism here. <laughs> right. And, and I mean, I, and I get it. It's never going to go away. I get it. Yeah. But we create so much drama. And I guess the reason why I, I explain it the way that I do, and maybe I'm a little bit more sensitive to this being an Olympus user and everything that Olympus has gone through this year, but we have to realize that especially so many of these YouTube channels and so many of these blogs that, you know, the minute somebody's financial status comes out, it's like, oh, this company's going to go out of business and this is going to die and they're finished. The, the people, the photographers like you, like me, like David, like the people that David is, you know, hearing from about these cameras, we're only hurting ourselves. Because when we buy into these arguments and when we encourage the blogs and we encourage the YouTubers make these videos, and by the way, I'm not saying we're asking them to make them, but when somebody like Tony Northrup makes a video and says a company's going out of business and that video gets 200,000 views, yeah. we're encouraging him. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly what he wants to happen. When we encourage these people, we're making it harder for those companies to sell cameras. When we make it harder for those companies to sell cameras, we make the prices go up. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, it would be devastating to the industry if Olympus disappeared. It would be devastating if Nikon disappeared. Yeah. It would be devastating if Canon or Sony or Fuji or any of them disappeared. I mean, you know, you can like Micro Four Thirds or not like Micro Four Thirds, but the simple fact of the matter is, all those features that everybody's all excited about with their Sony cameras right now, the eye tracking autofocus, mm -hmm. Olympus brought that to market. Right. Seven stops of image stabilization. Olympus brought that to market. The floating sensor. In fact, they're still the only company with a truly floating sensor. That's why their image stabilization is unrivaled. Sony comes closest, but the Sony sensors are still on a track. They're attached to the camera. So how does the, the floating sensor work? They're magnetized. They're, they're, they, they actually do not touch the camera body. Wow. They float on that. Wow. Right. So, 
Um, so, you know, what Olympus has done for the industry as a whole, so this isn't about what's better or worse, just in terms of where's its place in the industry, Olympus has introduced a tremendous amount of technology. And when any company introduces technology, obviously everybody else, if it's good technology, is going to follow suit either with their own or they're going to license it, just like half the cameras out there are made with Sony sensors in them because the company's yeah. licensed Sony technology. Yeah. So, you know, all this debating and the arguing and the sensationalism, all it's doing is driving up the prices of the <laughs> gear that we want to use. Yeah. If you would just stop and, and, you know, recognize the fact that it's okay if one person likes Sony and another person likes Fuji and another person likes Olympus. And at the end of the day, all that anybody else cares about meeting anybody other than photographers hmm. they just care about the picture they don't care how it was made yeah yeah and i guess if i was going to throw my two cents in uh for david's benefit it would be i guess if you could ask enough photographers you know directly one-on-one -on -one as right. to why they prefer slr over mirrorless mm -hmm. you would probably find more varying answers than you would imagine. Uh, I'm sure. You, you know, I'm, that, that everyone would have their own particular, maybe even unique use case for why SLR suits them better than yep. mirrorless. And and it might, it might be financial. It might simply be a case sure. of it's cheaper for me to go and drop three or 4K on a new SLR body that I can keep using with my existing lenses than it is for Absolutely. me to go and invest in an entire new kit, which might set me back 10, 12, 15 grand, you know, or yep. you know, yeah, there could be a bunch of other reasons that are perfectly valid yeah. for what makes someone think that, you know, four grand on a new SLR body is the most sensible way forward. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, you know, it really kind of goes back to always remembering why we picked up the camera in the first place, the yeah. very first time. And, and the fact of the matter is everybody's got a different story. Everybody has a different sure. reason. And so, you know, somehow, somewhere we get to this point where we get caught up on all the stuff that we see on the internet and read on the internet and then there's a certain amount of social pressure to it. And, and I mean, I get it. I understand it. But yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I, I feel it for so many people. So obviously I don't know David, so I can't say it's David. But no. so many of these people that get caught up in this drama, if they would take that energy and the amount of time that they invest. And they'll be the first to tell you they don't think they invest that much time. But the fact of the matter is they're carrying around these thoughts and it's bothering them and it's eating at them. If they would take that energy and that time and go and pick up their camera and, and actually shoot, their photography would improve tenfold and they would actually realize they don't need to buy a new camera right now. Period. Because the one they have is doing just great. Knowing David as I do, I don't think he's in the market for a new camera. Uh, and he and he does shoot re fairly regularly. He loves his landscape stuff. Um, I think it, in this instance, it was it was simply just posing a question. I don't think he's really. Um, I'm putting words in his mouth here, but I don't think he's you know heavily invested in this argument. I think it was just a a, a question. But but I absolutely yeah. I'm I'm with you on the what does it matter 
front, uh, I think, yeah, as long as whatever camera you've got in your hand works for you, then, hey, <laughs> let's all just go and take yeah, photos. Absolutely. I mean, even what, even when the news came out about Olympus being sold, I, I cannot begin to tell you how many people within the first 24 hours were sending messages like, so what camera brand are you going to use now? <laughs> and I was like, even if the company goes out of business, I'm pretty sure they don't have some way to shut all the cameras off so they don't work anymore. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like the camera's still going to work the next day and the day after that. And, and eventually if the company disappears, well, then I would probably have to switch eventually. Yep. Right. But uh, given that I love the optics yep. with my Olympus lenses, there's a much higher likelihood than I would have just switched over to another micro four third system. Yeah. So, so yeah, but I was like, literally, you know, oh, Olympus has problems. Like, what brand are you going to switch to? It's like, why, why am I going to yeah. switch? I don't, I don't see a need to switch. Yeah, yet. there's, there's no company still building box brownie cameras, but if you've got one, they still work. <laughs> exactly. Yep. That's 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 pretty much it. And I, I've kind of always been that way. I mean, I appreciate advancements in camera technology. Again, when they they make a legitimate improvement when they simplify my, my, my job and the work that I'm doing. But, um, you know, I also think we do have a scenario today where the technology has gotten so good and the cameras have so many, what I like to call convenience features in them that unfortunately photographers are not taking the time and, and applying the discipline to learn a lot of the foundational aspects of photography. Right. And the reason that's a problem, like I love the fact that, yes, you can pick up a camera and take a pretty decent picture without really knowing a lot. I actually think that's a great thing. I don't think that's bad. Yeah. But if you want to be able to take consistently good photos, at some point you've got to put a foundation underneath that because at the end of the day, the cameras are still computers. They are not capable of actually understanding what you see and what you are trying to accomplish when you make the photograph. Mm. So they're basically working off an algorithm and a database of information. Yeah. So you still need to have that foundational knowledge to be able to essentially monitor the camera, make sure the camera's doing the things that you want it to do. And then when it's not doing what you want, it gives you the ability to know how to make it do what you want. Yeah. Um, so that, that is still a really, really important piece. And that I think is where a lot of people get themselves in trouble today because they don't put in that. It's much like driving a modern motor car. You know, there's a whole lot oh, sure. you don't need to know in order to drive a car. Yep. <laughs> you know, you yep. can get behind and, the wheel and off you go. And it is, right. And it's one of those things. I mean, some of it you can go to the internet and find out in a pinch. Yep. But otherwise you're kind of stuck if you don't have that, that basic knowledge. Yeah. I'd like to break into the podcast briefly to mention that we now have a Patreon account. If you get any value at all from our photographic giggle fest each week, we'd really appreciate it if you could spare a couple of bucks a month just to help keep the servers running. The link will be in the show notes. Much appreciated. Now, back to the podcast. Uh, so you, you, were, you were going to uh, mention something about AI. Was there something in particular you wanted to talk about? Uh, no, I mean, we were talking about, you know, what, what might we chat about? And I thought, hey, it's a topic that, uh, that people have a lot of opinions on. And maybe what we can do for fun, because I know we're getting a little light on time, 
Maybe we can encourage people to email you or post comments about their thoughts on it. But one of the things that I'm hearing more and more and more are that debate of is AI good? Is AI ruining photography? Um, you know, are you cheating if you use AI technology, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I will go ahead and project part of my thought process. And it's kind of similar to the conversation we just had on cameras. I think people are worrying a little bit too much about it. Um, from my perspective, it's fair to say there are thousands of really, really bad sky replacement images that we see on a regular basis now because the photographer, you know, replaced the sky and just saw a cool sky and did not bother to notice that the sky does not match the scene in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. So it just actually looks ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, but we also have to realize that this AI technology is it's really relatively new. Yeah. So if we can imagine its potential. I think it's really cool stuff. Totally. But obviously all good things in moderation. So there is still kind of a responsibility to, to be realistic. Where does it fit? Where does it not fit? But even with the idea of, you know, using AI software to do most of your processing, if you're able to get the results that you want, and if you're not being lazy and just accepting what that software gives you, even when it's not ideal, then I, I see no problem with that. It's no different than, um, back when I used to shoot lots of modeling portfolios, meaning I had lots of post-processing to do, I had absolutely no problem sending my images out to a retoucher to have, you yeah. know, all of the, the skin retouching and flyaway hairs done. Uh, I never felt like I was cheating. I would, I would not apologize to anyone for that. I took the picture. I, I did the basic processing on the picture. Uh, but this was very time-consuming stuff, and my time was better spent, and I was able to make more money by not dealing with that. So that yeah. doesn't make me a fraud. That just makes me a smart business person. So it it is interesting. I mean, it would be I would be curious to see where where the listeners are are kind of weighing in on it because I I honestly think it's great stuff. Yeah. But indeed, you know, it's got pros and cons, just yeah. like anything else. Yeah, definitely. I think certainly from a software uh, point of view, I can see that, you know, AI and machine learning, and I will confess to not really having a solid grasp on how those two names differ in what they mean. Um, but I think, you know, as we move forward, those those two things are certainly going to improve the workflow for photographers in, in software, in post-production, you know, because they will i think they will do a lot of that stuff that you're just describing like you know sure. being able to deal with flyaway hairs in portraiture and things like that i'm sure there will come a day when you know whatever software you happen to be using will offer you you know a quote unquote wizard that will say hey do yep. you want me to deal with these flyaway hairs for you you know and it'll save mm -hmm. you a bucket load of time Sure. And, and the cool part of it is that software exists. It's not great yet, but it exists. There exactly. are different softwares that handle that. Exactly. So, and as you say, it'll only yeah. get better with time, just like, you know, yep. electronic viewfinders went from pretty ordinary in the first generation to where they're at today, which is, a, you know, a, a tenfold improvement and is certainly still at the bottom of the curve. You know, there's so much further to go. Sure. So Indeed.
Mm. Indeed. Excellent. Well, we are keeping it very short this week because uh, uh, I have other commitments that I need to get to today. So uh, a short episode. Uh, but, Joe, thank you once again for your uh, appearance and your thoughts, matey. Much appreciated. You're very welcome, Bruce. My pleasure. <laughs> I'll look forward to next week. Absolutely, mate. You have a good one. Uh, you too. Take care. Shutters Inc. Another audio to you.com quality podcast. For questions, comments, and feedback, email theboys at shuttersinpodcast.com. Yeah.